0: We're going to start today in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 18. For, this is the, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. Do you hear what that's saying? The message of the cross, what is the message of the cross? It's that Jesus came from heaven to earth. He was born of the Virgin Mary. He lived 33 years on this earth, healing and delivering, walking in signs and wonders and miracles. He taught his disciples how to carry on his ministry. Then it, He died on the cross to save you and I from our sins. And then it says that He was dead and buried. He went into the pit of hell and He redeemed everything that you and I will ever have to face. He bought it back for us. And then it says that He rose from the grave and that He is now sitting at the right hand of the Father interceding. For you and I. And that he sent his Holy Spirit to live in us. That we don't have to live a weak and a deceited life. But that we can walk as champions. Now that's the message of the cross. And the word says right here, that's foolishness if you are perishing. But to those of us that know God, that's the power that we live in. So right now, Lord God. I pray that if there is anybody in this house that this is just a foolish message to Jesus, I pray, Holy Spirit, come in right now and just turn this message around. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would make this life and breath, that this would no longer be foolishness, that anyone in this house that needs to say, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. You are the Most High that came to save me from my sins. (laughs) And a sinner I am. And I just repent of that today. And Jesus, I ask that you come into my heart in a great big way. And I say, have your way in my life. Be Lord and be Savior. I receive your Holy Spirit. I don't want to walk in weakness and blindness any longer. I say, come. Come, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now this message ought to make sense to everybody in the room. This is no longer foolishness. Because you have Jesus Christ. If you've prayed that prayer today, I want you to tell either Ann or myself or whoever you came with, just let us know. Let us celebrate with you. That's something just to to rejoice over. So don't let that opportunity pass you by. Um. Okay, we're going to continue with this scripture. 1 Corinthians 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. The intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? And where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Now let's skip down to verse 23. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both the Jews and the Greeks, Christ, the power of God, the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than a man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than a man's strength. Does that encourage you? You know, there's some pretty smart people in this world. Think about the people that invented all the computers and that send astronauts to the moon and the the doctors that work on us, the heart surgeons. There's some really smart people in this world. And that says that that the smartest of the smart, that's God's weakest point. He's got it all in control. We don't have to worry about that. And his weakest part is stronger than any earthly strength that we could ever come upon. Now, turn to verse 26, and this is where it starts talking about us. See if you relate to this verse. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential, and not many were noble by birth. But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things, the things that are not, to nullify the things that are, so that no one can boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us the wisdom of God, that is our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption. Therefore, is as it is written, let no one, let him who boasts boast in the Lord. See, everything we need to boast in is in Jesus Christ. He is our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption. Praise the Lord! We don't stir that up for ourselves. He put that in us. When I came to you, starting in chapter 2, I did not come to you with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you with weakness and with fear and with much trembling. This is talking about Paul. And I just wonder, you know, Paul is the one who crucified Christians. He he killed them. And then he's going to come to these Christians and start talking to them. I bet he was kind of afraid. What are they going to do to me? Are they going to kill me? Are they going to accept me? Are they going to be afraid of me? So it says that he came with fear and much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise, persuasive words but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. We do not, however, speak a message of wisdom. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age. Go down a little bit. It says, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time. Did you know that God has secret wisdom for you? In Psalms twenty five fourteen, this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It says, God confides in those who fear him. Can you imagine the Lord God of all the universe telling you his secrets, does that blow your mind? That the God, the God, the one and only God, can speak to you and tell you secrets. And then it says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived of what God has prepared for those who love him. And most of the time when you hear this, that scripture talked about, They pull it out and they say that God is unfathomable. You cannot reach Him. You can't have eyes to see and you don't have ears to hear and your mind can't conceive. But look at verse 10. That's not what it says. But God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. That's how the Lord communicates with us. God the Father wants to talk to you and I. And he said that he sent his Holy Spirit to talk to us, to reveal things to us. The things that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived, but God has prepared for those who love him. That's me and you. Do you love him? Then it says he will reveal his word to you by his Holy Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. No one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received a spirit of this world, but a spirit that is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. And the last verse in this chapter says, But we have the mind of Christ. He has put that, that word mind means understanding. We have the understanding of Christ. This whole scripture just blows my mind. It is saying that we have the ability to hear God's voice. That these were, I I grew up kind of thinking the Bible was a history book and that you could just hear that history and one day if you were real good you'd get to go to heaven and you'd get to see God and you'd get to be with Him and hear His voice. That's not what this is saying. This says, by the power of His Holy Spirit, you can communicate with God right here, right now, today on this earth. Um, I'd like for us to turn over and go to 1 Samuel chapter 3. While you're turning there, I'm going to kind of catch you up on this story Samuel's mother had a very hard time conceiving him, and so she, she cried out to the Lord, and she said, if you will just give me a child, I'll dedicate him all, your, all his life to you, and so when she had this child, she took Samuel to the temple, and she gave him to Eli, and she said, she, she weaned him, so he was a very young child when she put him in the temple, and he grew up. He grew up in the temple, and Eli was the priest, and Eli had two sons, and those two sons, in God's eyes, were very evil, and Eli knew this, and Eli ignored it, and it says that God sent a prophet to Eli, and he said, I'm going to judge you on this. You're going to be held accountable for the actions of your children, and Eli didn't listen to him, and so we're going to pick up in chapter 3, verse 1. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare, and there were not many visions. Now, the reason the word of the Lord was rare was because people were not listening to what God said to them. They were evil in his eyes, and when God told them something, they just ignored it. So finally, God said, Well, I just am not going to speak to them. I've had enough of this. If they're not going to listen, I'm just not going to speak. And it says the ways that the Lord would have spoken to them were, um, he would have spoken through his voice or either through visions. And it says people were not hearing or seeing from the Lord. Verse 2, one night Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying up down as you, in his usual place. And the lamp of God had not gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. And then the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and he said, Here I am. You called me. And what did Eli say? I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. So Samuel does this three times, and finally Eli gets it in um, the middle of verse 8. Then Eli realized that it was the Lord calling the boy. So Eli tells Samuel, go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And so Samuel went, and he lay down in his place, and the Lord came to him. And he said, Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. And the Lord began to tell Samuel the same thing the prophet had told Eli. He said, Your sons are an abomination. I'm going to hold you accountable because you're turning a blind eye to what your children are doing. And it's not acceptable. You will be held accountable for this. So Samuel goes and he lies down and he thinks, Oh, my goodness. Now, Eli knows that I've just talked to God. And in the morning, he's going to ask me, what did he say? So he was shaking in his boots the next morning when he woke up and he had to go in and talk to Eli. And Eli said, what did the Lord say? And Samuel had to tell him. He said, he he told him, and he told him the truth. And um, if we turn over to verse 19, it says, the Lord was with Samuel. As he grew up, and he let none of his words fall to the ground. And all of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognized that Samuel was an attested prophet of the Lord. And the Lord continued to appear at Shiloh. And there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. And Samuel's words came to all of Israel. See, the Lord began to use Samuel. Samuel would sit at his feet and he would listen and then he would tell the people what God had said to him. But the thing I want you to get from this story is even though Samuel had been dedicated to the Lord as a baby and he grew up in the house of the Lord, he didn't recognize God's voice when he spoke to him. And I think that may be a problem that a lot of us have. Do you know when the Lord God Almighty is speaking to you? Do you recognize his voice? See, Eli had to tell him, you can hear God. That's his voice. And I got to thinking about it. How many of you mothers in this room could recognize your child's voice in a crowd? Or how many of you can recognize your husband's voice? We all can, and why? Because you spend time with them. You know that old um, story you've always heard when your husband first started calling you, when you first started dating? He might have had to identify himself and say, hey, this is so-and-so. And But as you become more and more familiar with him, you recognize his voice. And that's the same way it is with the Lord. And I thought about this. You know, what if my husband, every time he called, he said, hello, this is Mitchell Hayden. Now, would y'all think, <laughs> she doesn't know him very well. So God is not going to necessarily go, hello, this is God. But he's going to have ways that are very private to you, to speak to you. And today we're going to talk about hearing the voice of God. And I'm just going to tell y'all some ways that he speaks to me. And I bet if we go around, there would be as many as there are women in here, ways that you can hear from the Lord. So these are not all conclusive, but um, they're just some ways that he helps me to hear from him. Um, you were given a little handout today, and this is really just going to take us through what we're talking about. Um, hearing the voice of God, a champion knows and obeys their coach's voice. First of all, you've got to, to know your coach's voice. And then, if God is speaking to you, you're going to have to choose to either obey, or we might be like they were back in the Old Testament where he just stops speaking because you're not going to listen anyway. So if the Lord's speaking to you and telling you to do something, I encourage you, just step out on faith. He'll back you up. Um, number one, the first thing we have to do to hear God's voice is to know Him as our Lord and Savior. And we just learned that in that 1 Corinthians text, in 2 Corinthians. In John 10:27, it says, My sheep know my voice, and I know theirs. God would not tell us that He knows our voice and that you can know His if He wasn't going to talk to you. So that is a very, very comforting scripture to me. Number two, you've got to spend time with Jesus. Just like you learned your husband's voice, that's how you're going to learn your bridegroom's voice. Just by spending time with him. Listening to what he has to say to you. Um, a, we must be listening for his voice. Like Samuel. We might even have to be taught but you can start to hear God's voice. There's two ways, two words in the Bible that are used for God's word. And one of them is called logos. And that is the written word. That is the Bible. And you can just sitting down reading your Bible. That's hearing God's voice. You know that, don't you? The other one is Rhema. And that's the spoken word. And sometimes this might be you're just reading a scripture and all of a sudden it just stirs something in your spirit. You think, oh, the words just jump off the page. Has that ever happened to anybody in here? Mm -hmm. That's God's spoken word to you. Or you may just be, hear this little nudging in your heart. You know, go over here. Go to Starbucks and speak to that lady that's at the cash register. That's God's rhema word to you. He's speaking to you. But one thing I want you to know is God's rhema word will never contradict the Bible. It will never contradict the Logos. So say you need money really bad. And you hear this voice inside you say, go rob a bank. Well, you can be pretty sure that was not God's voice. Because it says, thou shalt not steal. Y'all with me? (laughs) It will always, when you hear the voice of God, it will always line up with the Word of God. Um, Another thing that we have to do is stop. Psalms 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. And um, most of y'all that know me know that I love to run. And there's this little running watch that you can wear. And it's called a GPS. And um that running watch hooks up to a satellite in the sky. And it will tell you everything that you are doing on a run. It will tell you how fast you're going, how many miles you've run, what your pace is, how many calories you've burned. I mean, it'll tell you everything you want to know. And one morning, I was getting ready to go run with my friends. And I put my little running watch on. And I was about to run late. So I just started running and was trying to punch my start button. And it wouldn't pick up. And it wouldn't pick up. My satellite wouldn't pick up. So finally I had to stop and let that, punch my button, let the satellite hook up, and then it would go. And it tracked everything I did, that whole entire run. And the Lord said, that's exactly how it is with me. I need you to get still with me so I can download into you. And then we'll just track all day long. I'll tell you how fast you're going. I'll tell you where to turn. I'll tell you everything you need to know. But you've got to be still and connect with me. And I encourage you to have a time and a place in your home to do that. Don't just say, oh, it'll happen. Or I'm going to do it in my car. Because sometimes you get so busy, you cannot fully focus on the Lord if you're doing it on the fly. So I encourage you, be still. And hear the voice of the Lord. Another thing I like to do is ask questions. Do any of y'all ask the Lord questions as you're reading the Bible? Um, I had a couple of just fun things that happened to me when I was asking the Lord questions as I was reading. I can remember one time that I was reading about Moses, and the Lord told him to take off his shoes. And a lot of times when I'm reading the Bible, I'll have two or three translations going at one time. And so in one translation, it said, take off your shoes, plural. And in another translation, it said, take off your shoe. And I thought, well, what's up with that, Lord? Why would you say, why would these two contradict themselves? So I just asked, I just threw that question out. And it wasn't long before the Lord put my eyes on a little footnote. And it said that back in the biblical days, that when that made a contract, they would, for some odd reason, take off one shoe and hand it to the other person. And so what God was saying, see, in my mind, I thought you're standing on holy ground. Take off your shoes. Be clean and reverent and holy. But what he was saying is, I'm making a covenant with you. And God just revealed that because I asked a question. Another time I was um, going in that scripture in John 21, and it tells us that um, they the fishermen were casting their nets and they threw them over and that they had been fishing all night and then God, Jesus comes up and this was after he had died and he um you know, was coming back before his ascension. And it says that he hollers out to him like he had from the very first of their ministry. And he says, cast your nets on the other side of the boat. And it says, when they pulled those nets up, there was 153 fish in the net. And just in my mind, I said, Lord, I know you always mean something by numbers. When you have a number in the Bible, it's not just there for no reason. What does 153 mean? just went on. A couple of days later, one of my favorite pastors on TV is Joseph Prince. And as I turned, just flipping the channels, which I know was the Lord, just had me flip at right the right moment. And he was preaching on John 21. And he said, you know what that means? Those 153 fish? So my ears just kind of perk up. (laughs) And in Hebrew, Hebrew words don't have any... Numbers don't have numbers. They're all written out in letters from what he said. And you read them from left, from right to left. And he said that those letters would have spelled out the word, I am God. So every person on that shore knew that God had just told them to cast their net on the other side of the boat. So as you're reading or you're going through your life, ask God questions. And expect him to answer you. I promise you, he will blow your mind. And it's so exciting to get to tell things like that, to share it with people. Um, number four, peace is God's voice. Do you understand that? That if you're praying about something and you have no peace in it, that if there's no rest in your spirit in it, that it's not, that's not your answer. There will be peace when it's the voice of God. Um, there's a word, Pega, and that just means, this is number five, to light upon. And I'm sure every one of us has had this experience, just an idea just kind of flying to your mind. Like you'll be sitting here and all of a sudden you may think of a name of a person you hadn't seen in a really long time. Well, that just may be the Lord putting into your mind, pray for that person. Or maybe he's saying, pick up the phone and call him. If you begin to step out and obey that voice, I can guarantee you the Lord will just... He'll begin to minister to other people through you. He'll begin to use you in ways you could have never imagined. Because probably that person is going through some kind of crisis and they just needed some encouragement Or maybe they've just heard some good news and they want somebody to celebrate. But if you just get those little pagan thoughts, those little ideas that just fly through your mind, follow up on them. Don't just let them go. Um, And also another one, um, a friend of mine, as we were running yesterday, said it was like the pastor was speaking right to me during church. She said um, he was talking about distractions. And on the way home from church, I saw this big sign, and it said, Distractions. So sometimes the Lord will put things in your path over and over and over again to say, Yeah, that's me. I'm talking right to you. The Lord God Almighty, who created heaven and earth, wants to communicate with you and I. Um, Another way that God used lots of times in the Bible was dreams. Do you ever have dreams? Um, remember in 1 Kings 3, this is the story about Solomon. And did you realize, this, this really surprised me when I heard this, that Solomon asked for wisdom in a dream. Did y'all know that? Go back and read that story. God came to Solomon and he said, Solomon, what do you want? And that's when Solomon asked, in a dream, for wisdom. Um, In the New Testament, Matthew 1.20, it says that um, God came to Joseph in a dream. And he told Joseph, it's okay to marry Mary. The baby that she has conceived is of the Holy Spirit. And then he warned Joseph to leave town because Herod was after him in a dream. And he told him they could come back to town in a dream. So God used dreams over and over in the Bible. Um, in Acts 10, there's also what we call visions. To me, that's just you're awake and God is showing you pictures. And in Acts 10, that's what he did with Peter. And he told Peter, I'm not just going to be saving the Jews, but I'm going to bring in salvation to the whole world. I'm bringing in the Gentiles. And he used a vision to do that. Um, and, you know, I thought, well, okay, that, that's good. That that was in the Bible. But does he do that to us today? Do you think God still speaks the same way he did in the Bible? Well, all of y'all have heard my story about Morgan You know, my daughter that lives in Honduras. Well, the summer before, about six months, it was in January, before she went down, the summer that she got her little baby, Grace, the Lord gave her a dream. And he told her, you're going to become a mother of a little black baby. And Morgan just wrote that dream down. She goes to Honduras that summer, and a grandmother brings this little black baby to her, who is now her two-and-a-half-year-old daughter. And, but when Morgan got back to the United States, when they got Grace's birth certificate, some months later, she looked, and the very same week that Grace was born was the week that she had the dream that God was going to give her a little black baby. The very, and she knew that because it was significant to her, and she wrote it in her journal. So she had it right there in black and white. She looked it back up. And, you know, last night, um, today is 9-11. And so they, have y'all been seeing on TV? They've been showing all of these stories. And I watched last night. I mean, this was very unusual for me to be awake at 11 o'clock last night. But there was this woman, and she was telling the story about her husband was one of the men who had died. And I wish I could remember the name of this lady. If anybody knows it, y'all can scream it out to me. But... Um, Her husband was one of the ones that helped take down that flight 93, the one that crashed in the field so that it didn't go into the White House, I think is where they think it was going. And she said that she just wanted so badly to know that her husband was okay. And she said that, um, as she just cried out to the Lord that one day this friend came to her and she said, I had a dream and I saw your husband, and he said, to tell you, I did what I had to do. And she said, well, why did you do that? What about your children? And he said, God's going to tell my wife. God's going to take care of her. And she said, well, that was very comforting to her, but, you know, that, that was just her friend. She said, after that, three different people came to her, and they were strangers, That she did not know. All three of those strangers said the exact same words that her friend had told her I had to do what I did, and God's going to take care of you. She said after the fourth time, she realized that was the Lord speaking to her. And it was through her friends, and each one of them had a dream. And they had enough resolve to step out and to think, I might look foolish. Telling this woman that I don't know. But that was what she needed to encourage her. My husband's all right. And I'm going to be all right. Um, another type of dreams could just be your desires, your hopes, your aspirations. Do you realize that God stirs those things inside of you to push you into positions that he wants you to speak for him? And as I was thinking about this, I thought about Tim Tebow. You know, God put a desire in him to play football. And he put talent for him to be really good. And what has he done with that position? That desire? He stepped up and glorified God. So I encourage you, listen to your dreams. Your night dreams. And your, your desires that the Lord is stirring within you. That may just be the voice of God telling you exactly what he needs you to do. Um, and just like we talked about just then, God might use a person to speak into you. See, those, those people from that lady, um, from the wife of that 9-11 flight. Just different people came and they spoke into her life. Um, this is one that God oftentimes uses with with me. Number eight, God uses word pictures to speak to me. And um, then he will confirm those with signs. And I'm just going to give you all a little example of this. There's a, a group of my friends and I get together as often as we can, and we just have worship time. And we just dance before the Lord, and we praise, and we worship our hearts out. And then we'll just kind of settle down and we'll get our journals and we'll say, okay, God, we want to hear from you. And so we'll begin to just write down what the Lord is speaking to our hearts. Well, one time we were doing this, and this was last year about Easter. And I saw myself, I just pictured myself on a tarmac um, at an airport. And I had my suitcase in my hand. I had my baggage in my hand. And Jesus walked right up to me, and he just said, I want you to sit your bags down. He said, we're fixing to get on that plane, and I don't want you carrying your old baggage with you. I'm giving you all new things. And he really began, and when the Lord starts to speak to you, you'll know it. It'll start stirring in your spirit, and you may start crying. You'll really picture what's happening to you. And he really impressed that upon me that day. Well, the next morning, um, I got up and the mail was laying on the table. And this was what had come in the mail the day before. I don't know if you can see this, but it's a man holding a suitcase and he says, baggage, letting go of what weighs you down. See, that was God's sign to me. You heard me right. I said, let go of that extra baggage in your life. You don't need that junk. I'm all you need. We're getting on that plane and we're taking off. You just leave it all up to me. And I heard it said, I love this. It says that um, a sign, I consider this a sign and I put it in my Bible and I, I keep it in there. That's just a sign from the Lord that that's God's signature Signing off on it. It's something that will just mean something to you and him. It's just God saying, love you. Love you, Jesus. He just signed off on it. Another instance like that, more recently, um, I saw a picture of all of us, our, our congregation, worshiping in the big sanctuary. And I began to see that as our praises went up, It was as if our praises were going into the heavens and there was almost like a glory cloud that was covering our sanctuary. And as the praises went up, the Lord sent those praises back down. He showered us with his love and his goodness and his mercies. As the praises went up, he sent something back down and he gave me the word bounce back. And I wrote it in my journal and I told it to a couple of my friends and they probably were looking like, so what? You know, just like y'all are kind of looking at me, so what? So I went the next Sunday. I had to get some makeup, and I went into Ulta. And I got all my makeup, and I put it up on the counter, and she rang it up for me. And she hands me this coupon, and she said, that's your bounce back reward. (laughs) I just kind of laughed. I thought, that really was you, Lord, wasn't it? We send that worship up and it bounces back on us. You can't ever outgive the Lord. Um, turn with me to Habakkuk 2. And this is a book that's three or four books from the back of the Old Testament. Habakkuk 2, verse 1. I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look and see what he will say to me. See, this is what God is telling us to do. Station yourself. Set yourself apart to hear the voice of God, to see what he is saying to you. And then what does it say down in um. Verse 2. Write down the revelation. Make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. So this is scriptural. When you sit down with the Lord, position yourself to hear from Him, and then I want to encourage you to get out your journal and write down what the Lord gives you. Because there may be some action that you need to take, something that you need to follow up on. Or it may just be a confirmation that you can look back and say, God was talking to me. You know, like that dream, Morgan could have never, if she had not written down on the date that that happened, confirmed that grace was her baby from God. I couldn't have known that about the the baggage or the bounce back rewards. If I hadn't journaled that down, it wouldn't have made as strong of an impression on me. So I encourage you to write it down. And right now, what we're going to do, they're going to put on just some soft music. And I want you, there's a sheet, just a blank sheet that you got with your notes today. And what I want you to do is to picture yourself walking with Jesus in your favorite spot. Whatever that might be, it might be the beach or the lake. You might be on a hot air balloon ride with him. And you just just walk along quietly, just receive what he has to give you. And then I want you to write this question down. Lord, am I really a champion? And then I want you to journal your answer. I want you to hear what the Lord says. You ask Him a question, and He will answer it. So just take a moment and let the Lord speak to you. Right now, Lord God, we've just talked about how much You love us and how You, the God of the universe, want to speak to us and to download Your love and Your worship and Your edification into us. So, Father, I ask that You would speak to us right now. Right now, Lord Jesus, speak. Your servant is listening.